Welcome to the Disciple Cafe, where we have saved a seat for you at the table with Pastor Tim Roberts from Stewart Congregational Church in beautiful Stewart, Florida. Pastor Tim is answering questions about faith, religion, the whys that we have for God and about the Bible, and any other questions that you wanted to ask about your faith. If you have a question, send it to Pastor Tim at Stewart.church. Pastor Tim at Stewart.church. Or you can send a voice message directly to this podcast through the Anchor app. And don't forget to tune in weekly to hear the answers. Now, without further delay, take your seat, grab your coffee, and let's join the conversation. Hello, and welcome to the first ever podcast, a brand new ministry from Stewart Church, featuring, of course, Pastor Tim Roberts. My name is Bill King, and Tim, you want to say something about uh, what we're trying to accomplish here? Yeah, thanks, Bill, and thank you for your uh, participation and leadership in this. Um, Bill's my brother and friend, and he's done a great job preparing for this uh, this time together. We, we want to uh, make this a conversation that engages people's questions and curiosities with regard to life and faith and Bible and theology and um, and and really touch people where uh, where there's a need uh, and where there's not opportunity for conversation like there might be if we were gathered in person informally and so it's a, a conversational kind of uh, banter between us um, that we hope is nurturing and edifying uh, spiritually for folks. Yeah. So you have noticed then that those of us who are seeking and even those of us who feel like we are now disciples may, may have a question now and again, huh? We all have questions. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, well, I, yeah. I think that's a great idea. So um, I'm listening to this podcast, and I have a question. What do I do with it? I send it to you? Yeah, that's the best thing. Uh, just send it to my email at tim at stuart.church, tim at stuart.church, and, uh, and we'll put it in the hopper. And uh, we love to address things that are relevant for people um, where, where there may be a, a difficulty in, in your faith walk or a curiosity, whatever it might be. Um, your question is likely many other people's question. So yeah. we, uh, we welcome. So you, uh, you hear many of the same questions over and over yep. again year to year, don't you? Absolutely. I'll, Absolutely. Bet, you, I'll bet you do, yeah. Well, here's a question that I'm hearing or a question that I have about some things that I'm hearing. Yeah. Um, we all, in fact, it's getting tough to read the paper nowadays. <laughs> I mean, I almost go straight to the sports section uh, because... Uh, there are sports? <laughs> not much. It's real short. doesn't take long to read. But, you know, the front page and, uh, and the bulk of the paper is consumed with the pandemic yeah. you got crazy weather i mean on page three uh, weather tigers talking about you know you just get finished with laura and marco and now there's more storms brewing out there yeah uh, not you know forget about whether global warming is real or not that you you got fires you got violence in the streets the the war that never ends mm -hmm. i mean and, and i mean it's just stuff going on all the time and i it's not unusual, but I know you, you've heard it too, I'm sure. 
uh, Tim, is this the end times? Yeah. Are we in the apocalypse now? What do I need to do to get ready? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so is this the end times? I don't want to make light of it because I think it's a serious, yeah. it's a serious concern that people have. Yeah, yeah. It's a great question. It's a, a, a question a lot of people do have, and there's a lot, uh, there are a lot of pronouncements that are made, especially in the more evangelical realms of Christian faith. And there's some different ways of kind of getting at it. I mean, on one hand, they, the, an easy answer is yes, in the sense that uh, theologians in the early church ca characterized the end times as that time which came after Jesus. <laughs> mm. So, but what I think most people are getting at or, uh, or referring to um, is a more immediate sense of, is this the year? Is this the month, uh, the day? And some even say the time, um, and, and uh, we'll prophesy the, t the exact time when Jesus is coming back, the rapture, um, the apocalypse, uh, and so on. Uh, and certainly a lot of the plagues that you described uh, are, are a reference point for a lot of people. One of, the things, one of the things really helpful to remember is that um, these things are not new. Uh, mm. there, there have always been earthquakes. Mm. There have always been volcanoes. Hurricanes. There have always been hurricanes and tornadoes and bad weather, hail and locusts. <laughs> there, have, there have always been uh, disease, uh, pandemics, epidemics. Uh, and every generation has had its people all the way back into the earliest days of, of our faith who thought, even the Apostle Paul, even the Apostle Paul um, thought well, Jesus is coming back soon. He thought that so much that he said, uh, listen, if you're, if you're not married, if you're single, don't bother with getting married because, you know, it, it, you go into a lot of trouble to kind of establish a new life and a new household. Jesus will be here any day. Uh, and then he qualified it, but you know, if you're burning with lust, go ahead and get married. <laughs> um, the point of that is not the lust, but rather there was a sense of expectation on a spiritual theological level that even the Apostle Paul thought within that generation, Jesus was coming back physically, the rapture was going to happen, uh, to use that, that kind of stereotypical word. Um, but those signs that we are seeing and thinking of and reading into have always been around. There have been more years in recorded history with war than without. And isn't there, now that we're talking about it, um, isn't there a, a, a scripture passage that advises us, don't try to figure this out? Yeah. Is that, was that something yeah. Jesus said? Yeah, yeah, Jesus said, the Son of Man does not even know the time or the day. And so it becomes a real matter of arrogance for us to assume that we know something that he said he doesn't even know. Um, that's a very, uh, that's a, a, a really helpful reference. Um, and we, he, he didn't say we are to be prophets. He didn't say uh, we are to be able to read the future. Um, he said, just be my witnesses. Just be my witnesses, you know, tell people about the good news, um, you know, 
the good news is that God has redeemed this fallen creation. And one day that will be consummated completely with his return and the restoration of everything, taking everything back to its, the goodness of its original created mm-hmm. in, intention and design. Uh, how and when that's going to happen, he didn't give us a guidebook. However, a lot of people think the book of Revelation is such a guidebook. Well, I, was, I wanted to ask you about that because it, that's, again, I'm, I, I, I'm not, um, I've never studied the Bible formally, you know, academically. Uh, so the little bit that I've read in Revelation, um, that's, that kind of can be scary sometimes. <laughs> I mean, some of the, you know, some of the yeah. stuff in there, and that's the good part. The re- other stuff, I don't even understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's um, was it just a bad dream? <laughs> it's um, well, it was kind of a dream, uh, but it, it, the Book of Revelation is probably the hardest to, I would say, undoubtedly the hardest to understand in the entire Bible, and the most um, confused mm. and mistreated text in the Bible especially in times like this people read into it mm. in in ways that it was not intended it's like going across the street and grabbing my neighbor's mail and I open up their letter from Aunt Bessie and uh, and she's talking about you know some some malady that she's been experiencing and what that community uh, her community is going through and she's talking about what she expects will be the outcome and so on and so forth and this is a letter to my neighbor from his Aunt Bessie but I begin to think oh my gosh this is going to happen to me and to us and to the whole world and I'm taking it completely out of context mm. um, it's about her and her community wherever that is whenever that was and I don't have a right to take her words and her situation and sort of uh, twist it into my reality and and make of it what I want to make of it. And so reading the Bible is a lot like going to your neighbor's mailbox, grabbing a letter, and taking it completely out of context. Um, these were letters written to people in so certain situations. What was the context for the, for the book of Revelation? Yeah, so so th- this is this is uh, a Christian community who uh, are are being persecuted, uh, Christian community who are being pressured to worship uh, the emperor, and and a Christian community who are being rejected by the Jewish community, and so they are a minority community uh, being written off and um, uh, being uh, you know, put to the margins, marginalized uh, in many ways, discouraged. And this letter is generally a letter of encouragement. All right, so wait a second here. <laughs> it's a letter of encouragement. That's, that's a, a disconnect for me. You know, again, I'm, you know, I'm not a Bible expert, but I, I'm, seriously, that's... Every time I read it, it reads like it's 
you know, <laughs> you guys are in big trouble. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, letter of encouragement. Um, and uh, the, the, it was a coded letter because it was too dangerous to write very explicitly, much, much like prisoners in a, uh, a prison camp uh, with coded taps on the wall so their captors don't know what they're saying. So much uh, is written in code uh, because uh, their head would be on the chopping block if, if, if it was explicit. As an example, uh, in, in the 18th chapter of Revelation, it says, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She's become a home for demons and a haunt for every evil spirit, a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. For all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. Um, and it's a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a way for them to indict Caesar and Rome as the superpower who is abusing their power and marginalizing them and intimidating them and uh, ke keeping them from having the rights that everyone else has. Uh, and so, whereas he's, he's naming the problem, he also lifts up the solution, the ultimate solution, uh, which is where everything's headed. Um, and this is where the encouragement comes from when he describes the glory of God and mm. Jesus is still on the throne and in mm. control and that this world does not define the ultimate reality. Uh, and so all this glorious language is used and the, the idioms uh, of having a, a mansion on a hill and streets paved with gold are not meant to be literal but to say, look, there is a hope that transcends whatever it is you're experiencing. And that's where we can connect and where it's a letter of encouragement for us. Not a, a handbook of prophetic doom and gloom for us to analyze the events of our time and associate them with the end of time, but rather to see a hope that transcends circumstances and transcends time itself. That's what the way it functioned for them and, mm -hmm. and how it functions for us. And so the coding, you know, calling Rome Babylon and, and, uh, and, and Caesar was the Antichrist. We read into that and we look for an Antichrist today, um, but that's, that's not what the book was written for. It was their context, their problems, uh, their, the discrimination and the, the difficulties that they were encountering. Uh, with Rome in particular, and with the, the Jewish authorities. Uh, but hope is woven throughout it. And the ultimate authority, the ultimate uh, direction in which all things are headed uh, is still in the hands of Jesus. So the message, there is a message there. Those people who say, you know, the pandemic, the storms, the raging fire, God's sending us a message. Yeah. And yeah. there is a message in the storms and the pandemic and yeah. the raging fires, but it may not be the same message right. that people suggested it. That's exactly right. Uh, the message is one of hope, that God is in control, moving creation uh, because of the redeeming action of Jesus, moving it toward the restoration of all things, moving it back to Eden, uh, this great rescue plan that God initiated after the fall. 
Um, this is the con this is this is the foretelling of of it being consummated, um, and so it's it's hopefulness in the middle of that. And what they were experiencing is not, uh, or, or should I say, what we're experiencing is not unlike what they were experiencing. We have political unrest and and superpowers that abuse their power. Uh, we we have uh, earthquakes and volcanoes and tempests and locusts and so on. Um, we have war, more more years with war than not with war. And so we tend to be kind of myopic and think that this applies to us and our situation. With specificity. Yeah, with specificity. But it's really the human situation, generally. Always has been, and it will continue to be. Uh, this will be the same conversation Christians are having 100 years from now. <laughs> because there will still be hurricanes, and there will still be disease, and pandemics, and challenges just like there always have been. Well, you mentioned Jesus, God coming to earth incarnate, and that leads to another question, which is why? Why would <laughs> God do that? Yeah. Why, you know, um, I've heard, I've heard it said often. I mean, that, that you know, a person will say, "Well, I believe in God," but you know, the way I see it is, you know, he was Jesus was a great prophet, gave us a lot of good advice, but uh, you know, like like words to live by, uh, yeah. like uh, like uh, Scott Peck or somebody, right. but uh, yeah. or Khalil Gibran, but. Um, uh, I just can't believe that Jesus is God. Now that's what I've heard numbers of persons say, and and I I I don't you know I try not to get into a big conversation with them about it, but it's a it's a good question. Why? What's God got to prove? What's God got to prove? No, I mean he's yeah. got everything. Yeah, you know he's 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 creating everything. He's yeah. he's got it all together, and. Why would he bother to come to earth? Right. Well, I can tell you, I wouldn't do it if I were him. <laughs> but, uh, we, do, we do tend to look at this through our own eyes, don't we? <laughs> um, it, it's crazy. It, I mean, it really is a crazy, uh, a crazy thing that God has done what he's done. And that's partly, I think, why it's so challenging for us to understand why. And I think ultimately we can't answer that question, why? But we can certainly answer the what. Um, we can answer some of the why. And, and, and I think really it comes down to the opposite of what would inspire us to do something like what God has done in Jesus. And that is the, the, the idea of love that creates. You are listening to the Disciple Cafe podcast produced by Stewart Congregational Church in Stewart, Florida. Please submit your questions for this podcast to Tim at Stewart.Church. For more information about our church, check out the website at Stewart.Church. So God, God by definition as love, um, creates and 
And so uh, this beautiful creation um, is not just a plaything, a, a, a mud pie to be discarded once God is done because God loves it so purely, so fiercely mm. that when it goes awry, call it sin, call it the fall, brokenness, uh, God will not let go. God will not let go. Okay, well, there's the there's the situation, how to resolve it. Why, why enter into it as a human being? Um, we tend to have a we tend to have a hard time connecting with uh, God as an idea uh, and 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 when you think about it most of most of the things that have shaped you and me in life have been personified I got you right yeah, and I'm, and I'm seeing them and there's yeah they're in three dimensions yeah. Yeah, you can, you can learn the plumbing trade by reading a book. But when you see how plumber Bob actually nuances that right. pipe fitting, right? Uh, you, you know, it it when it's embodied, personified, right? You know, or or, or any any trade or any, you know, why do we have parents? Yeah, I think <laughs> of, I, I think of I think of sailing. Yeah, you you can. Read a book, and quote unquote learn how to sail. Right. But until you get in that little boat and you hoist the sail and it fills with wind, right. you don't have a sense. You don't have a yeah. feel for right. all the subtleties of it that they can't tell you in a book. That's right. No matter how good it. So how does that relate to God? Yeah. So so if 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 you're God, I mean, if we can if we can be so bold as to put ourselves in God's shoes for a moment and just imagine. What's the best way to communicate with this fallen creation that, by the way, thinks it's God? Hmm. Has has the hubris of thinking it can take over um, and replace me, the creator. So you're 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 not saying literally, we don't all walk around literally thinking I'm God, but that I behave as if. I think that I'm in control. Yeah, the 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 fall or the original sin we might call it, uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, is all about control. It's all about who's in control, and uh, that's really what every problem in life comes down to, is control. Who's in control? Uh, if 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 God is in control, well, we see a picture of what that looks like in Genesis one and two. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's perfect. It's harmonious. It's peaceful. It's not violent, um, and it's it's everything we would would want. When we take control, um, things fall apart. Pain happens, and death happens, and and it just doesn't work. It's out not that good. Well. Yeah. It's not good. So, how 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 loving is it? For God to enter into that as a human being, be subjected to the very r rules and laws of sin and the fall, limitation and pain when, when, when God is beyond that. Uh, so entering into that, 
first of all, um, is, is the ultimate act of love, being subjected to that, being subjected to that, to that kind of torture and rejection and betrayal and even death. Uh, but for the purpose of redeeming and restoring this creation, uh, of, of bringing it back, it's, you love it so much. And then you add to that the, the, the message that it sends to you and me uh, about how to understand this God, God beyond an idea. Um, we can talk about God is love all day long and what love is as a definition. It's tough to define, though. But when you look at a life, yeah, it, it takes on deeper meaning. You look at the life of Jesus, it takes on the ultimate meaning. And so Jesus makes this claim, I and the Father are one. If you've seen, the, seen me, you've seen the Father. So he's making a claim of divinity, and he's embodying perfect love, the self-giving love of the God of creation, who's now becoming the God of redemption. Uh, and, 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 and so when you begin to look at it like that, the God in Jesus Christ is so unique because of the of what that means about God and what it does for us in the big picture, but also with the modeling that we're given in Jesus, and and so why is why would why would God do that? I think it's love is the first answer. Um, and uh, could God have chosen another way? Sure, sure. God could do anything. God's God, but that's. To your point, it, that that seems like a really effective way to get the message across rather than telling us, as with the tablets and Moses, yeah. here's this is what you need to do. Yeah. Live like me mm -hmm. and and we'll be back to Eden. Yeah. We'll be in the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and in fact, I would argue that the Old Testament and, and, and like Ten Commandments and a lot of the laws were actually a way for God to set the stage for the logic of Jesus and why we need the incarnation of God. All right. Uh, because? Well, all right, here are ten things. Go ahead, try it. <laughs> Go ahead. Here are ten ideas, yep. commands, okay. instructions, whatever you want to call them. Um, that's one thing, but then when you see a life that lives them out in relationship, in context, you know, mm -hmm. how, how do you, uh, I get you. how do you okay. love your, how do you love your neighbor not, not covet? Well, Jesus showed us. Yep. He didn't just tell us. He didn't just teach it. It's not a teaching. It's not an idea. It's not a philosophy. Um, but he embodied it. Yeah. And so... Jesus is the embodiment of God. And so we see what the essence of God is like in Jesus. And we're also given the way. Literally, he calls it the way. Uh, we're given the way we are to live by God's design, to live like God in Jesus. Well, Let's continue on that path. The 
the phrase that we often hear is um, accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. What happens to the person who hasn't taken a formal acceptance of that, hasn't stood up in front of the congregation and <laughs> made that declaration? Yeah. Or even to herself? Yeah. What what is that? Is that a is that a? I mean, sorry guys, you're gonna, you know, uh, eternal damnation is yours if you don't accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yeah. Well, it, it's it, it's not that I want to put you on the spot here, yeah, Tim. Yeah, <laughs> it's the big. That's a big, big question. Um, and and certainly, Scripture says all who call on the name of Jesus will be saved. Uh, it does say that. However, it says a whole lot else too. Um, and we and we see Jesus in in Jesus's actions with others a lot of other redeeming activity beyond just a formulaic prayer. What's happened in uh, the last century, pretty much in American Christianity, has been this reductionism it's called reducing the gospel down to a formula reducing it down in this case to a prayer you got to say this prayer this way in this context in, in order to be in the club in order to buy the life insurance or the fire insurance rather mm -hmm. uh, to not go to hell um, well Jesus when you look at his life and how he functioned he uh, he, he, he functioned in a lot of different redemptive ways with people. When he came to the disciples, he didn't call them to believe in him. He didn't call them to say a sinner's prayer. He simply said, follow me, follow me. Uh, and uh, when you follow me, you will do what I do. You will learn what I know. Uh, you'll begin to live out your salvation, um, and and so that's the uh, uh, that that that's a part of the answer. Um, we tend to we tend to hone in almost like almost like highlighting certain verses uh, in in scripture as being uh, the norm above and apart from other verses, other examples. And uh, yeah, did he meet with Nicodemus and, uh, and talk about being born again? Yeah, absolutely he did. So this idea of being born again, using that language, is scriptural. But that was one conversation with one guy. <laughs> that wasn't the normative or the ongoing kind of conversation that he was having with every single person. It wasn't a point of emphasis. Right. With some people, he healed them and then said, go and sin no more. Uh, it was a physical healing. Some people, he exorcised demons out of them and uh, said, come follow me. Uh, some people, he brought back to life, uh, literally. Jesus, uh, to take one conversation or one, one reference and to make it the only way that we know salvation um, is to ignore so much. 
richness and so much diversity of how we come to faith. Uh, there are plenty of people, and you know, and I know, who grew up in the church, for instance. Uh, and my own kids, as an example, they've never said uh, a formal prayer of salvation. And yet they would say, I never knew a time when I didn't believe. I never knew a time when I didn't understand the stuff about Jesus. Um, does that mean that because they haven't said a formulaic prayer, that they're not saved or they're going to hell? Uh, I think it'd be arrogant for us to to make that, that kind of conclusion. So it's more about... It, it, I'm hearing you say it's more about where I am in my own heart rather than and and, and it's not formulaic at all it's it's where I am in my own heart yeah and if I'm then I guess like like James also be ye doers yeah and not hearers only then now yeah. it's if, if I'm there in my heart yeah. then I will go and do stuff that follows in his footsteps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and 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 there. I had a guy. I was talking with a guy one time, and he said, you know, the way I came to faith was in the in the '60s, when uh, uh, when there was so much emphasis on activism and doing things to make a difference for the gospel in the name of Jesus. It, it wasn't an altar call. Um, it was this, what was so compelling to him was the call of Christ to follow him into doing justice and to loving, uh, loving kindness and having mercy, as the prophets said, and as Jesus echoed. And that was his path to salvation, although he probably wouldn't use those words to even frame it that way. But who would I be to argue with him that he was not a... A, a follower of Jesus, um, yeah. and and we you know we have to remember remember when Jesus was uh, on the Mount of Temptation, and how uh, Satan himself uh, was using Scripture to right. uh, to tempt right, right, Jesus. Right, 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 right. Yep. Uh, and he was twisting Scripture. That's a warning to us about how easily we do that. Um, People with great intentions, pastors, preachers with great intentions, uh, do that. Um, and you know, we read in in scripture that the 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 demons even believe in Jesus and shudder. Mm. Well, that doesn't mean that they're saved. That doesn't mean that that they're heaven bound. Uh, so this the, what we've done with some of the biblical language is we have amplified it and made it the way uh, and ignored a whole lot of other examples of how we are on the way to Jesus and with Jesus in our faith life. Well, there's a lot more that I would like to amplify. I mean, is it, this, is, this is the problem I have, Tim, is when we get talking, then one thing leads to another. <laughs> and I'm sure that's that's a common uh, experience with others as well. And others have many questions. So I would encourage them to send their questions to tim 
at stuart.church. Uh, it's a pretty simple address, Tim at Stuart.church. <laughs> and there are other things to consider as well, but that's our time for today. And let's um, plan to do this again real soon. Absolutely. Thank you, Tim, and thank you for thank listening. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for stopping by the Disciple Cafe today. We've enjoyed having you and answering your questions. Please submit your questions to Tim at Stuart.Church. That's T-I-M at Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T dot church. And join us for worship Sunday mornings, Eastern Time, 9 a.m. and 1030 at StuartChurch.Live and EpicChurch.Live for traditional and contemporary worship at both hours. For more information about Stuart Congregational Church, check out our website at stuart.church. Thanks again for listening.